0: back to another episode of the Sports Forum, the podcast bringing you all the news, headlines, and analysis from around the world of sports. Today is Wednesday, September 16th, and it's been a while, ladies and gentlemen, but we are back. I am your host, Mike Murray. I'm joined always by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Ethan Looper. And Ethan, it is great to be back. As I said, we've we've had a bit of a break here. And we greatly apologize for that. We know that everyone's missed us so much. Um, great to be back. We have a lot to cover, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think I think someone was calling it the. Uh, I saw an ESPN post or something like that. It's like the sports equinox that's like never happened, where we have uh, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, and I think they threw like an MLS game or something else weird that lined up that it's just never happened before. So COVID, it screwed a lot of things up, but here we are kind of at the end of it. We're getting sports back. We have all of them at once. It's more than you can watch, and mm-hmm. it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah but, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when it, everything started and then everything got shut down, everyone was so just upset about everything. Like, everyone just missed sports, and now they're back – full force, and now we're like, and now there's too much sports on at once, so, um, but I would definitely rather have this scenario than the other one. So, um, without further ado, let's just jump right in. So, we are currently in conference final territory in the NBA, um, and there have been some storylines, and we'll start with the Western Conference, because that is where, Probably the biggest storyline so far of the playoffs. Well, somewhat of the biggest storyline of the playoffs so far. Uh, uh, Appeared last night, the Los Angeles Clippers, after pretty much sacrificing their future for the next five, six years um, to acquire Paul George. uh, Lost Game 7 to the Denver Nuggets after blowing a 3-1 series lead. So, I'll turn it over to you. I guess, really, let, let's just talk about it.
1: <laughs> um, I guess the first thing I want to get off my mind now is that no one should ever be comparing Kawhi Leonard to LeBron James ever again. I don't want to hear that mm-hmm. shit ever again. Kawhi just choked a 3-1 to lead to the Nuggets, a team that's never gone farther than... I think the second round, I think they got, I think they might Mm -hmm. have uh, lost in the second round last year to the Blazers, is that correct?
0: Um, Let me fact check you as you keep going. Uh-oh. Oh, keep, keep going, keep going.
1: So, so they, I, I don't think the Nuggets have gone farther than the second round. The Clippers are supposed to be the team that was uh, contending with the Lakers for the, fi- for the finals, right? Everyone was saying from the beginning of the year that the, the Clippers were the best team. The Lakers have no chance. LeBron's washed. Uh, and Hawaii and Paul George, both of them, Folded like bitches in the in the <laughs> second round. So I, I don't want to hear any of any more of the Kawhi is a better player than LeBron crap. All right, that's just garbage. Um,
0: that's that's, that's kind of just to know. just to interject here. You, last season, you were correct. The uh, Nuggets made it to the semifinals and lost in seven to Portland, who then went on to get swept by the Warriors so and max kellerman's dumbass was on uh oh my first yes that I Actually, yes thing. The, Kawhi's more clutch than kobe Than Kobe, i like, just
1: the the hyperbole with this guy this guy who doesn't have as many regular season points as tobias harris all right i don't want to i don't want to hear any more about no
0: him. i i i i totally agree and it you know i mean i've always been a big Kawhi leonard fan um but this, I, I, I don't really know how I feel about this. And first of all, before we even talk about the Clippers, you have to give credit to the Denver Nuggets because this is the second series in a row that they've done it. They were down 3-1 to Utah in the first round, came back, won that in seven. Now they go up against a better Clippers team and do the same exact thing. Jamal Murray has put himself on the map. If he wasn't on people's radars before this, which he should have been, he definitely is now. It felt like it felt like in that first series, him and Donovan Mitchell were, were 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 a walking fifty points. And he of all the of the of the people in of the players left in the postseason, he is the leading scorer, or he, he's either the leading scorer or he's second behind Anthony Davis. But still, the guy knows how to put the ball in the hoop, and the Nuggets are just this team that they're just embracing this underdog mentality. They're not giving up, you know, and, you know, we've known everything about Nikola Jokic, and he's been everything they could have asked for. I think he had a triple-double last night in Game 7, and now Jamal Murray has really stepped up his game, and now we have a legit, you know, a a legit tandem out there in Denver that is going to, you know, do wonders on the West for years to come. Now, how do they match up against the Lakers? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how anybody matches up against the Lakers right now because the Lakers are playing really good basketball. But I would not be surprised to see this next series go six games. I don't know about you, but I can see at least two nights of Jamal Murray, you know, taking over in the second half or just shooting lights out from three. And, you know, Jokic comes in with his his usual twenty, ten, and ten triple-double. And Paul Millsap adds a couple. Gary Harris adds a, adds a couple. Even maybe Michael Porter Jr. After calling out all his teammates um, after the one game there, so I, I can see this. I, I can see this next year going six. I don't know about you.
1: Um, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I think a big key to that is Nikola Jokic uh, figuring out how to cope with Anthony Davis because I don't have any, I don't have any numbers, but, um, I've definitely seen, um, tweets and, and observed it casually that, um, that Jokic has struggled when defended by Anthony Davis this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I'm definitely going to be watching closely for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a matchup I really want to see. I, well I think the Lakers ought to win in five um, you would think you would, I would think um, but you're right I would not I would not uh, be surprised to see this one go six or even seven games um,
0: yeah and I mean I
1: I'd, I'd bet against it I would if the if the over under was like five games I would bet I would bet five games.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, if if you think about the Lakers so far, I mean, in the first first round, they I'm sorry, refresh my memory. They played in the first round. Last round, they played Houston, but in the first round, they played oh Portland, right? They played Portland first round. So Portland, had who had who, who, who who Portland's best big man is who? Nurkic? Uh,
1: Whiteside Nurkic. Yeah,
0: Whiteside. Okay, so there's somewhat of a formidable competition. Then they go play uh, Houston, who is embracing small ball. So his best competition down low is P.J. Tucker.
1: Well, Houston Well, Houston was tough for the Lakers because they were stretched out so much that true. Uh, uh, in large stretches of the game, a lot of their dominant big men, a, aside from AD, AD is fine on the perimeter on yes. defense, mm-hmm. but Dwight Howard was clearly outmatched. JaVale McGee was clearly outmatched mm-hmm. um, when they were running screens on him, uh, forcing him out to the perimeter on switches. They would just make him dance. and uh, So I think I think this, this series is going to look severely different than that Houston series. And I just think the Lakers match up better against Denver than they did against Houston. Um,
0: I agree with but, that. And also, I think if you're Denver... You know, obviously, you know, obviously you don't have that small ball mentality because you have a guy like Nikola Jokic and you have guys like Paul Millsap. You know, you do have true big men. But if you go back and you watch that tape, like you said, when the Rockets spread out, those other Laker big guys, because like you said, Anthony Davis is, has no problem being on the perimeter. That if, if you're Jokic, you have to say to yourself, okay, during that three, four-minute period when Anthony Davis is going to get spelled and Tower's going to come in or JaVale's going to come in, that's when I have to go to work, and that's when I can expand because because Jokic can shoot threes. He, he can play on the perimeter. He, I mean, he's not a ball handler, but he can play on the perimeter. So for the Nuggets, this is going to be all about just capitalizing on the right matchups because if 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 they allow guys like JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard to come in and just have their way with Jokic in the paint and even maybe go down on the offensive end and get some dunks, some layups, some offensive rebounds – This could be over in four. But if Jokic does the right thing, takes advantage of these guys who are weaker on the perimeter, maybe takes them to the basket, and you know, gets some looks on the perimeter. That's how Denver's going to extend. That's how Denver's going to keep themselves in games, climb themselves out of deficits if they get them into it, and just extend this series as far as it can possibly go.
1: Right. yeah, just building off that, they uh, they really got to find the guy who can match up one on one with Nikola Jokic right. and uh, be able to be comfortable with that. Uh, my suspicion, obviously, is that's going to be Anthony Davis. Right. Uh, but you know, you have success with Dwight Howard, you have success with Javale McGee, you have success with Kentavious Caldwell Pope. For all I care, you know, right. You find yeah. the guy. You find the guy who you can put one on Nikola
0: Jokic because when you have to start doubling him it's over he's such a good facilitator. yeah exactly he will find the open I man I
1: saw the the, the, uh, the pass to uh, Jamal Murray last night it looked like it was from a game of horse <laughs> like a shot right he yeah over the, over the just, back of the mm-hmm. head flipped it up like you just can't account for Nikola Jokic if you're trying to double him and there's someone open on the floor he'll find that guy right can't
0: risk it. Um, exactly. So it's like you said. That is that is the matchup of of the series to keep their eye on. Now going back to the Clippers, because we're not going to let them get off easy. They don't have, as I said, they don't have a first round pick for ages. Yeah. Because they gave it all away the, to get Paul George. The so Thunder.
1: It, the Thunder actually have 15 first. Yes. Round
0: picks. In the next, the next, what was it? Seven years. Seven years. Point so point point. essentially, they have two first round picks every year. Yep. So they're another story. But if you're the Clippers, you just blew a 3 1 lead, and your biggest offseason acquisition played like dog shit in the postseason when it's Both. the most important. Both of them. Right. And, de- and. But Paul George more than Kawhi, I would say.
1: Oh, yeah. Paul George was horrible. Horrible. I mean, just notably. Last night,
0: would capped not. off by his wide open three off the side of the backboard. I like, I like Damian Lillard. Uh, oh, those guys are ruthless. With, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ
1: McCollum on Twitter did not let them off easily. Uh, and they My shouldn't have. Was, was Damian Lillard, uh, so someone added, uh, like, was like, at Damian Lillard. Was that a good shot?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw this.
1: That looks good to me. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you you know you have Kawhi airballing for mid range. You have
0: Kawhi the, missing make, missing a floater, yeah. getting his own rebound, and then missing the same floater again. Yep. Yeah. And then obviously that three, and it's like you know when when we think about Paul George, you think of him, you know, I mean you think of that clip when he was back in Indiana when he pulls up from the tip of the NBA logo, and doesn't hit the rim. And you think of that Paul George and then you think of this Paul George wide open in normal shooting range, clanking it off the side of the backboard like that Set it literally looked like that kid in CYO that never gets in the game and just instantly chucks the minute he touches the floor. That's what Paul George looked like on that shot. And that's the guy you gave up five million draft picks to acquire. Anyway, what I'm what, the point I'm getting to is
1: and, and, not only that, but you also gave up Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That, too. And Milo Gallinari. That, who too. The, the Thunder made a serious run at upsetting the Rockets. They sure you know, did. Led by, you know, those players yep. as support for Chris Paul. Um, so that, that deal for the Clippers is looking really poor.
0: Exa- yes, exactly. It's a poor deal. It has all the remnants of the Celtics' Nets trade. That was made, you know, back then. that gave the Celtics all the picks that led to Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and all those guys. the the my the, the question is: If you're the Clippers, you're in this situation now. What do you do? Because you can't look to the draft and say, "Now, okay, now, we're, you know, okay, here's our weaknesses. We're going to go out. We're going to try and add some young talent and develop them to work alongside these two guys." You can't do that now.
1: Well, that's the that's the big gamble. When you make a huge trade like that, and you don't have your guys locked in for long-term control, like um, I I think Paul George and Kawhi, I believe they're both free agents after next season. So you give yourself a A two-year window. You give yourself a two-year window to win a championship when you've mortgaged about eight years. Right. So. So now you know that there's a distinct possibility that if you don't win those a championship in those two years, you're sucking wind for the next six. That's what happened yeah, to the Nets. They, that's
0: exactly what happened to the Nets. Get
1: exactly what happened to the Nets. You're hoping that um, an aging
0: Kevin Garnett and Paul, and Pierce. Paul Pierce and uh, Jason Terry, I guess. Yep. And Jason and can, you know, that those guys can take they, your brand new chance. franchise to the top, and you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, this is a little different. I mean, their goal here is to obviously take over LA and get rid of all the Lakers hype, which isn't working either. And I don't even think. And I, I sidebar, I don't even think to be honest with you, if the Clippers won, look, let's say hypothetically, this the Clippers didn't lose last night, they go on, they win the NBA title. I still don't think they would run LA. I think I I think as long as both teams are in LA, the Lakers are going to be the LA basketball team. The only
1: uh, the only way the Clippers surpass them is if if they um I'd say surpass them in, in championship
0: rings. Right, which in- you're gonna have to get moving on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> because
0: it, because it me. looks like all, you know, all intense because it, it, it yeah, looks like the, the Lakers are road. right now fast tracked to win number 17 and tie the Celtics
1: yeah right and I mean this the Clippers not ever making the uh conference finals I don't know how they um thought one ring was gonna I don't know either gonna just win them Um, but that's not how that
0: works (laughs) so what's the so so the game plan now is the game plan to go out and try and add more free agent pieces and kind of just build like a I mean, I. I mean, I don't want to say a super team, but just build, a, just a, just a. a, a, a I'm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the
1: yeah. short answer to your question, yes, because. Because there's no the other Clippers, option. The Clippers are balls deep. There's no, They're at the right. point. Right.
0: Yes. Forward- they're at the point of exactly. The ship is going down, and they're at the top. In the captain's hat, just giving it the salute as it slowly sinks into the water. They right. can't. They can't swim. There's
1: no, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. No. As far as the draft exactly. asset, because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't worth half as much today as they were this time last year. Absolutely. That's just that's just the fact of the matter with what we've seen in this playoff performance. Both of them are a year older. PG being on the wrong side of thirty. Um,
0: and it, it as it appears declining a lot quicker than most yeah, people I, imagined.
1: Well, I mean, he has a he has an injury history, obviously.
0: Mm, of course.
1: Um, yeah, So uh, that could be playing a role. Um, we know Kawhi's had nagging injuries throughout his career. He's had his own issues. Um, didn't play for almost what two full years. Yeah. But, so. Um, yeah, that's the and yes, Clippers better win now or else they're gonna be in hell. Yeah, they're
0: now. gonna be yeah, it's as gonna a, be a As a Nets war.
1: fan, I can tell you
0: right. You no, exactly.
1: Or you're in hell for a long time.
0: Exactly, um, and the and going back to the very first point you made, you're totally right about you know LeBron versus Kawhi because that is complete crap. If you like, if you just you know because if if you think about it from a ter- from a standpoint of just like you know. Uh, supporting cast. I mean, if you go back to those teams, LeBron took all the way without, you know, back in Cleveland. You think about those teams. Who his best sidekick was Zidrinis Ilgowskis and Mo Williams. You think about those teams. He took he took them to the finals. Didn't win, I know, but took them to the finals. And then you give Paul George. You give Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Paul jo- or I'm sorry. You give Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Montrezl Harrell. Even Marcus Morris, who's a very good role, very good you know four stretch stretch four guy, give him all those pieces, and he can't even hold on to a three-one lead in the second round. I don't know the nuggets. the nuggets, the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. Now, like I said, total credit to them because they're because they're no a, no, no no disrespect, uh, to no the none at all because they they've done this twice now. So they they you know we everyone has to be done sleeping on them, and yes. You can, you know, most big Kawhi fans will look me in the eyes and say, "Okay, well, look at what he did last year." But last year he had he had Kyle Lowry, and he had a and he had a and he had Pascal Siakam, who emerged as an All Star. He had Baca. he had Serge Ibaka, he had Fred Van Vliet. he had all those guys. So now you're you're getting another team like that, and this is what happens.
1: Who on paper on paper before the season.
0: Right. Everyone was like, the, "Okay, right here we go." Like, exactly. So let's put that to bed. And yes, I did see. So the the Max Kellerman clip about Kobe, that's from an old first take. That's like an old, old, old first take clip. And then Stephen A. Smith, of course, being Stephen A. Smith, he ran through like every single clip of Max Kellerman, saying just these insane statements about Kawhi Leonard and then of course went on a rant about more clutch than Kobe. More, that you know that that literally we could do a whole episode just about that statement but there's other things to get to so we'll have Denver we'll have the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals going to the Eastern Conference Finals my Boston Celtics are currently down 1-0 to the Miami Heat, but before we get to the Celtics, let's get to the Miami Heat because they're the bigger story here. Um I right now I think they're probably the hottest team in the NBA because you look at the way they ran through the Bucks and even after like an extended layoff because they had to wait a little extra because the Celtics and Raptors went to seven. They come out right last night and win in overtime thanks to an incredible block by Bam Adebayo.
1: That was one of the best defensive plays I've seen on a basketball.
0: I, it, it's, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you get there, if, if he gets there a half second later, he is going on a poster <laughs> for was, the rest of eternity. And and Tatum ties the game on him. Right, it's just embarrassing. Like he's he's ridiculed today. Right, it's 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 the end of Van bio. but he gets there at the right time. And I for a second thought it was goaltending, but it can't be goaltending because Tatum still had the ball. But um, so I you know and obviously you could you you could talk about Denver because of what they've done, but I think just in terms of like a streak, the Miami Heat are the hottest team in the NBA. Jimmy Butler is just. Continuously blocking out everyone that's ever written him off, and people need to stop doing that. Tyler Hero is emerging as one of the best young, sh- best young players in the mm-hmm. game. Obviously, Bam out Adebayo is Bam bio, and the rest of their cast. So
1: and they've got some, they've got some more dogs on defense too. They, they do. Carrella, they got Jay Crowder. Um, even even
0: Jay Crowder. I, guess, I miss like, him in Boston. I miss Jay Crowder more like, than <laughs> Celtics fans should miss Jay Crowder more than they do because he was he was he was a really good role player. And at the helm of them at the helm of the Heat is Eric Spolstra, who I don't even know if you know this, has more playoff wins than Greg Popovich. No, that's a crazy stat. So they have a a brilliant coach. So and I'm saying all this as a Celtics fan. Like right now the Heat are my biggest enemy, but you have to respect like I, I of course have to give credit where it's due. Well, we
1: didn't um, mention Duncan Robinson
0: either. Exactly. I, I, exactly. There's a ton of talent here. And, and and Kelly Olenek. Don't forget about Kelly Olinick. Because he's, he's another Celtic I miss too. I actually... Yeah. He, somewhere in my closet... I don't think I have it with me, but somewhere in my closet, I have a Kelly Olenek Celtics t-shirt. I'll, if, if I have to, I'll get it shipped up here and wear it for the next episode. Just so you can see it. But I bought a... Because... Kelly Olenek was, like, he was one of the first, I think it was one of, like, the first picks we had from the Nets. And we used it on him because he was coming out of Gonzaga and he was, like, the next greatest thing. And well, we took, If
1: I have to look at that for an entire hour, like, next week, <laughs> you got to wear the man bun, too. <laughs> I
0: don't, that I don't know if I can pull off, but I can pull off the Olynyk shirt. Back to the Miami Heat. Um, yes, great coach, great everything. And if I'm the Celtics, like, this is a must-win game because if we go down two zero, yeah, I don't see it's not it's not going to happen. Um,
1: definitely less of a story than the West right now, but an intriguing series with two uh, pretty young teams yep. uh, that have some emerging superstars, or really, in Jimmy Butler's case, superstars who are already established but kind of to prove himself. I'd say,
0: yep, absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of the Celtics, I'm no matter what happens, if they if they lose this series, if they if they you know come back and they make it to the finals and they lose the finals, whatever. Um that the thing I'm happy about is that during this postseason, people are finally acknowledging that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are a very, very exciting and very talented duo. Well
1: you can't Deny that there's talent there if they make the conference finals, right? Of course. Like if if a duo, you know, of, of players are like the one and two options on a team that makes the conference finals, you can't indict those players. Um, they're just obviously valuable contributors um, and proven winners at that point. So.
0: Right, and then obviously you know you have Kemba Walker too, and you know it's amazing because they've made. This the Celtics have made so many, uh, so many incredible plays. Tatum's made some incredible plays in this series, and Kemba has too, and Jalen, and and Marcus Smart too. Marcus Smart is the MVP of the Raptors series by light years. But at the same time, they're making these incredible plays, and then they're also making these plays that twenty-two year old NBA players make. Like the amount of times I saw Jason Tatum drive into four Toronto Raptors and try and just force a fadeaway made me want to pull my hair out. But then, he, but then three possessions later, he spins around two guys and dunks over Pascal Siakam. So there's so much talent, and yet there's so much room to grow at the same time, which is what's so exciting. Now, eventually it's going to get to the point, because the Celtics have been in this period of sort of, you know, yes, we're so talented, we're... Almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Eventually, it's going to be the. Eventually, we're going to get to the point where it's like, all right, we need to be there by now. But still, like I said, regardless of what happens, like this is and this is an exciting team. This is a team that's going to keep competing in the Eastern Conference for five, six years.
1: Well, if I'm the Celtics, I'm going to be looking you know I'm looking over my shoulder uh, because it's going to come time where you got to pay. That James Brown, you got to pay Jason Tatum, and they don't have the the uh, the green to uh, to uh, fill your fill your roster and uh, have have better role players. Um, So, I mean, there's definitely going to be improvement from those guys down the line to where they won't need as much help to get right. In the playoffs, but you know you you hope that development happens sooner than later, where you have to pay them, and now your salary cap situation is a little stickier.
0: Right, I agree, and you know obviously I think the immediate I think I think the immediate thing to do was obviously to go get a big man, because I mean obviously I, this team definitely misses definitely misses Marcus Morris, and it really misses Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines. It re- and it really misses Aaron Baines because you know Daniel Tice is is a, has really stepped up and played really well. And Robert Williams has done a great job, especially in the Raptors series off the bench. Um Brad Stevens has not used Dennis Cantor that because I, I just don't he doesn't he, he because he doesn't like him in defensive matchups. Um but i I mean especially in this series against a guy like Bam out of bio. I mean, a guy like Aaron Baines, just a, an absolute rim protector who can, you know, still score on offense and occasionally knock down a three for you if you need it, um, which is essentially Daniel Tice. But Baines, just a bigger, stronger version.
1: Shooting.
0: Um, just, he's
1: just better than Daniel Tice. Yes,
0: he, yes. I, 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 on most days of the league, I'm taking Baines over Tice. But like I said, Tice has done a great job. But obviously. I I think a big man is the next is the next. I'm hoping because I think they they have the 14th pick of this upcoming draft. I don't well I I don't know who I haven't really looked yet at like the the kind of like the past like the top five of the NBA prospects. We'll definitely have a mock draft episode though, Um, but I haven't really looked past that yet. But maybe they can grab some guy. At fourteen, try and develop them that in, in that sense. Um, so that's the uh, that's the immediate fix to re- to hopefully like really solidify them, especially going into next year. But you're right; it is going to get to that point, and they're going to have a decision to make. And maybe you know, as we get closer to that decision, maybe another big deal is made, and maybe we bring in I, I don't know. I'm just speculating, of course. But at the end of the day. For the next two, three years, the Celtics are going to be there, and if they can add that one piece, then I think that's really going to put them over the top. And, and, and obviously, you know, they still have that. It, it, and, and I'm saying this all—it's not like they're not. It's not like they're eliminated. You know, they can still, e- they can still easily come back and win this series. But regardless, it, Jason and Jalen are on the map. Marcus Smart is—you know—everyone's on the map now. So just I, I'm very excited
1: to, no, no, finally uh, being able to make a deep playoff run too right,
0: and a lot of people have really got like a lot of people are getting on him in the Raptor series because he didn't play well in those last couple games. um he stepped up late in game seven, but he didn't he didn't really play well in game six and um a lot of people are getting on and you have to think for a guy like him, He's never he's never gone this far in any in any season. He's never played in a game six of the Eastern, of of the semifinals. His biggest game was was his biggest game was to make sure the freaking Hornets could get the fifth pick instead of the sixth.
1: Maybe, maybe the All Star game, or right, or the exactly, or the, the All Star
0: <laughs> game, or or or, or the or, or the what do you call it the uh, the like it's like the first game of All uh, the. The future stars game, you know, the 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 you know the rookies against the sophomores, like that's been his biggest game. You know, he's never played these nationally televised game sixes, and anyway, you know, I got Jason Tatum, he's playing in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals at nineteen. So they'll mesh, and I think they've meshed well already. But they'll continue to mesh, and they'll, and now that they have this experience, regardless of what happens next year, they'll be even more prime.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, Jason Tatum is definitely a great illustration of how much uh, playoff experience, I think, means to the development of a player. Of course. Um, look at, uh, just just like you said, uh, Jason Tatum was playing in uh, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, matched up against LeBron James right. in Game 7 uh, as a 19-year-old, and... You look at him now, and he's budding into one of the the best young stars. In Absolutely. The and, you know, I don't think you can undersell the playoff
0: experience. So Absolutely.
1: Engine on that.
0: Um. So yeah, so we have a, a 1-0 deficit in the East, and Game Two of that series will be tomorrow, and then we'll also get going with the Western Conference Finals and see if Denver, uh. All I'm saying is this, if that series, if the Lakers go up 3-1 in that series, I'm I'm definitely tuning in for Game 5, because this might be a ploy by Denver to kind of lull around for four games, make sure they win one so they don't get swept, and then turn on the Jets. But, anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Let's talk football. So, NFL Week 1 is in the books. Um, It was... It, it was it was exciting. I mean, week one of the NFL was always exciting. Fresh slate, you know, you get to see the new acquisitions, especially this year because there was no preseason. So especially for, like, all the highly touted rookies, like this was the first time we got a chance to see them. Um, and there were some exciting games. So Thursday night was the kickoff with the Texans and the Chiefs. And if anything's evident there, it's that the Chiefs are still really good. And the Texans are still the Chiefs' bitch.
1: Yes. Um, I don't think there's many more takeaways to be had in that game. Um, Texans, I think, still going to make some uh, some noise in the in the division. Not going to go farther than um, the divisional round in the playoffs, probably. Um, Chiefs, obviously, still contenders. They're really strong. Uh, more physical than the Chiefs of last year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Kalichi Osemele, who they highlighted a lot during the Thursday night broadcast. Um was an absolute mauler in the trenches. You know, I love some good line play. Of course. Um, Clyde edwards Blair my guy from uh, the 225, Ben Roosh, he uh, um, was absolutely tearing it up. Yeah, um, that was... From the goal line, it was a little concerning, but... Um, he has a lot of time to work on that, and it was a promising debut, great first game, um, and the Chiefs are scary this year because they won, and Pat Mahomes had about what 220 200 passes. yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, and it was not it was not um, the games we've gotten used to from Mahomes, um, where he's exploding, and I think he will he will have those games for sure over the course of the year. But we know now that the Chiefs can really settle into the run game, um, control the clock, yep. and um, that's that's important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had Two two big takeaways from this game. The first one was was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, and kind of shifting more, uh, kind of shifting. You know, when he got selected, I think I think we both said. Um, our, you know, the draft, when we talked about the draft, we both said that was a great pick. Um, and then when you like, when you talk about fantasy as well, like fantasy football, I started seeing him in the top 10 of all these rankings. And I was like, that's, you know, I was like, wow, I, you know, I didn't think this kid had like this much upside, but he was really impressive. He was, showed a lot of speed, you know, he was able to, you know, reading, reading the line well. Um, obviously, you know, like you said, working needs to work more down by the goal line, but still that's about as good as day de- as a debut as you could ask for from a rookie running back. Um, and then the second thing really was just, it, it's amazing to me how the Kansas City Chiefs, how that offense just looks so smooth and just so effortless and it, it's especially amazing now because, Last year was last year. They they were were this budding team that just had all these weapons. But now you gave teams a whole year, well, I was trying to say a whole year, but a whole offseason to watch the tape, break down the film, break down what they like to do and the routes and the schemes, etc. And they still can't stop them. So I don't know if that's a lack of preparation on the Texans' part. Seeing as to how they're still coached by Bill O'Brien, it might be. But I have to give a ton of credit to Andy Reid and especially Eric Bieniemy, who should be a head coach in this league at this point, because it is just incredible to just see Mahomes drop back every time and just it's it, it's not only as if you know, it, it's not only like someone's open, but it's just like he knows that this person's going to be open. Like he knows he has Kelsey on a ten yard out route. He knows he has Tyreek Hill down the left side on a streak, and it's just it, it's amazing to watch. And and like I said, I, I I don't know why I don't know if this is if this is teams not prepping enough or if this is just truly a mastermind behind an offense. But I was very impressed with the Yeah, Chiefs. I
1: mean, Andy Reid is always going to be drawing something up. Um, it's, an absolute, it's an offensive. Genius. Well, I don't know if
0: he's going to be drawing anything up this year if he keeps wearing that face mask, but. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know if he can see what he's doing. Yeah, he
0: yes, he'll draw stuff up, but I don't know if he yeah, he, I don't know if he'll <laughs> see it. That was incredible. Yeah. I don't,
1: I, I, I don't know why he was wearing that. I'm pretty sure a regular kn N ninety five would have been. Yeah, far. would
0: have been fine. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. I'm also
0: seen. surprised no one went up to him and like tapped him on the shoulder and was like, "Coach, you might want to like you know wipe that off," because I literally can't see your face but
1: I, mean, I guess if whatever yeah, it I, worked I would, assume, I would assume he could see because he called maybe he was just actually trying to see if, if he could call a game if he, could call, if
0: he could call a game without seeing it and in, and in, yeah so like yeah he would call the play and then he would just judge off the crowd noise if he heard a bunch of cheers and then he heard like the first down all right yep. that was a good play we you know we'll save that again for later but if he doesn't hear anything all right bad play you got to go Google.
1: Glasses on, he was just checking on the fantasy
0: app. Right, exactly. Like,
1: you
0: know, so we really, saying. So we really don't know what was going on, what was going on behind Andy Reid's glasses. But the Chiefs are still a very good football team. Um, let's let's see next game. Let's get into ah, let's get into the Buccaneers and the Saints because obviously this was another very highly touted game. There's obviously Tom Brady's first game. As a Tampa Bay Buck, and I think he kind of had he kind of had a performance that kind of said, "Oh shit, the Saints are not the Dolphins and the Jets."
1: Uh, yeah. Um, the Saints are gonna have one of the toughest defenses in the Absolutely. NFL. Absolutely. I mean, it's like Saints, uh, Steelers are up there. Um, but you're you're definitely looking at the Saints as a top five unit. Tom Brady had some good in his performance, but obviously the two picks, uh, one of them went for six. That was not not good. No, um, I don't think you need me Very, to tell you that. Very, you know,
0: something we're not used to seeing from from Tom Brady.
1: Right, two two picks is not normal for him. Um, usually, so careful and um, efficient. But give him give him time to gel. He's got a lot of weapons. Um, he's he got does. good defense behind him. Good running game. They'll figure it out. Um, my worry level is low about them, um, especially with uh, you know your your OTAs are virtual. Your uh, um you know you don't you don't have any preseason games to get the work in. Um, so I'm not my, I'm not hitting the panic button right now on Tom Brady. No,
0: I I wouldn't either. But um, yes, and, and, and as much as you know, there was some rust with the Buccaneers. Like you said, the Saints' defense is a top unit, and the Saints' offense is equally as loaded because Michael Thomas is still there. Obviously, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, um, and you know Kamara, who they just signed to a big extension.
1: Extensions, uh, some some big running back deals. Yes, going running through.
0: backs are starting to get paid, and we had this we had this conversation about the running game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I te- think teams are just kind of – I think maybe he's just trying to start starting to see sort of like the scarcity of the position. You know, because you, so you have CMC, you have Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and then there's kind of a drop-off.
1: You got Mixon, you got Jacobs.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, that, um, that middle – like. there's – yeah, that middle, you know, almost elite, but not there yet. I wasn't really impressed with Joe Mixon, uh, this in week one, on uh, a sidebar there. But I Jacob scored three touchdowns. So, but you know, then there's like those guys, and then the rest. And um, so I think teams are maybe starting to see that and say, all right, you know, let let let's, let let's get this done because, you know, ha- being able to have the running game is is huge. Um, yeah,
1: really. Um, I, I don't know why more teams haven't taken an approach that says maybe we'll build up front to um to start and, and then and, and I don't
0: understand that, that because I mean especially if, if you look at if you look at the teams that are successful like I mean even even the Dallas Cowboys I mean that's what they did when they when they started to I don't want to say rebuild because they never really rebuilt but you know when they started to get the you know have those couple bad years it was Tyron Smith. Zach Martin, Ezekiel Elliott, Lyle,
1: Travis Frederick,
0: Travis Frederick it was Lyle Collins, it was really cool. all those guys. Yep. And look at them now. I, I, obviously, Travis Frederick's retired. Very, very sad departure. Um, well,
1: look at them in the past you know five years.
0: Right. I mean, look at what they have on front. It's that ability to go to the run game like they right. do. Even and even like the Chiefs, like we just said. I mean, they, they were kind of an exception because their passing game was so elite last season. But now... They, to have the ability to do that, uh, uh, you know, as 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 much as I as much as I get on other opposing teams for not prepping, well, at the same time, what the hell can you prep for because you don't know. Well, th-
1: that's just an offense that just based on physical talent, we've never right. seen in the NFL we've never seen that kind of arm talent paired with the type of mob- exactly. um, mobility Mahomes has, and now they you know they have. Edward Lair who's shifty as all hell, um, so he's gonna he's gonna be you know toting in the run game. He's got that low center of gravity, really hard to take down. Mm-hmm. And then the speed in the receiving game, um, Travis Kelsey's versatility. It's just an offense of freaks and anomalies. I would say is the best term for that Casey offense. I mean, we can go off on tangents about right. it all day. Oh yeah,
0: but you're exactly right and like I said going back to building up front i I think it's it's a it's a it's you know it's old school you know it's 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 not the it, it's not the new school west coast all these different kind of offensive passing game blah 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 all that stuff it's old school but it's yeah. effective
1: I think the game is um definitely proving to be cyclical because over the years um the past game has definitely been advancing right but I think over the past five years, we've really seen a renaissance of, um, getting, getting deep, you know, defense being come, you know, coming back and being super, super important. Obviously defense is, absolutely, but, um, you know, using the type of draft capital that's gone on the defensive side of the ball has been like nothing we've seen, um, you know, We've had a real renaissance at the running back position, as we already mentioned, and um, building up front is has always been the, I, in my opinion, the number one thing um, you can do to to really improve your team as a contender. But um, yeah, I think I think yeah, the the defense and running game is really, really going to come back in the league. Um, we're starting to see so many sub packages where teams are coming out in nickel or, um, and, you know, uh, using smaller linebackers who mm-hmm. are better at sub packages and coverage. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of offenses definitely come out with bigger offensive lines, um, more, more 12 personnel, um, one running back with two tight ends. So that's becoming definitely a trend around the league. Um and the we're going to see teams really start to pound the rock i think over the next couple of years i agree rushing attempts i think are going to go up
0: i i agree with i agree with all that especially what you were saying about you know different personnel um and yes i also uh, you know i totally agree with what you were saying about the league being cyclical i think that is very true and i think that holds for i think that holds for a lot of a lot of leagues, and like a, one thing I you know I think about is baseball a lot too, is kind of the same way, in terms of like you know every so often you know this certain type of hitter emerges, but at the end of the day, it's pitching that teams go back to, and that's and that's what and that's what takes them deep into the postseason. But anyway, back to the NFL. we talking about building up front, talking about the Cowboys. Let's talk about the Cowboys. They dropped a heartbreaker on Sunday night in typical Dallas Cowboy fashion. Um,
1: the, the penalty at the end really, really capped it off.
0: Yeah, the, it sure did. And it
1: just, it just felt very Dallas. Cowboy. It, it, it
0: felt very Dallas Cowboy. Exactly. There's no other way to put it. Um, I really, you know, if it was if it was three, four years ago, I probably would have gotten a little more upset. But I've really grown accustomed to losses like this, so I just kind of gently shut the television off and and went to bed. But and it, look, I don't think I. I I don't think it was pass interference, but whatever it was called. What I'm more upset about is what happened in the first quarter of the game. And for those of you that didn't watch, the Rams had third and inches on their, like, nine-yard line or something. And play clock's winding down, winding down. It hit zero. Then they snap the ball. Flags fly. delay game. It's five-yard penalties. Now it's third and five. But then they reverse the call and say that Sean McVay got a timeout in before the play clock expired. Now, they show the replay, and they show McVay sprinting down the sideline. They show the clock hitting zero, and then you see McVay go like this. So they shouldn't have given him a timeout. And I don't know how they even reversed it in the first place, because the initial call was the late game. But anyway, they give him the timeout, the Rams score on like the next play, and... Then the rest is history. Now, look, I'm not saying if the, it, if it was third and five, the Rams wouldn't scored a touchdown anyway. But at the same time, you have like that. It, that's really what kind of got that was the call that got the Rangers. But at the same time, I didn't see what well, the, the the Cowboys you saw on Sunday were not Mike McCarthy's Cowboys. I still think Jason Garrett was somewhere on that sideline. Yeah, uh,
1: it's just the Cowboys are literally the same team. Um, it was Dak had a nice night, Zeke had a nice night. Um, the, they were both filling up the stat sheet. Um, you know, Amari Cooper had a good night. Michael Gallup was involved. Ceedee Lamb was involved. Um, you, you know, it, it looked it looked good. You know, and the the defense uh, played a pretty well throughout the game, and kept them in a position to win at the end. And they just managed to come up short. There's a lot of pointing at the referees. Um, it, it, and it just feels like it's the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys every single year. They, they have offensive producers at pretty much every position, filled stat sheet. Um, their defense is like at least average enough to keep them in the game. And somehow it just it, it doesn't pan out for them.
0: Right. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, the, obviously the big play besides the pass interference call was the the fourth and three decision. Um, and I had no problem with going for it on fourth down because, that, that look, as a Cowboy fan, that's what we wanted. We didn't want any more conservative football. We wanted to go for it. So that's what they did. But here's my problem. It was third and six, and you handed it to Zeke Elliott for three yards. Now, here's my thing it was it, it looked like it was pretty certain that they were gonna go that 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 where they were was for was four down territory so if that's your thing run the play you ran to CD on third down and get four or five yards then go it on fourth and one and then convert the fourth down don't play conservative on third if you know you're gonna go for it on fourth because then and
1: and you complete the pass on third
0: down, but and but yes, but Ceedee Lamb catches it two yards behind the line of scrimmage and gets tackled on impact. So that play was doomed from the start. So don't play conservative on third if you're going to go for four on fourth because well, that, then
1: yeah, yeah right. My point is if you don't complete the pass um, on third down, then you can just go hyper aggressive again.
0: And right. Another or and so. if you or if you don't if you you know if if you don't complete a pass on third down and it's fourth and six. Then that makes your choice easy. Okay, we go kick the field goal, and that probably would have led to overtime. And then who knows what happens. So that's my thing. It, you know, if if you're going to play aggressive, play aggressive on all four downs. Don't take one off. But, like, you know, it's a long season. I was happy with what I saw from Dak. Zeke looked good, like everything you said. Uh, defense, I mean, we already lost Leighton Van Der Esch for eight weeks. Uh, we lost Blake Jarwin for the year. Um... And Dalton Schultz did not look good at all at tight end. He dropped a lot of passes. Um,
1: well, I mean, you lose Blake Jarwin, who hasn't had a lot of experience, and you're expecting him to step into a starter role. Um, so you, you've got to imagine a lot of their energy at the tight end position was kind of, you know, geared towards getting Jarwin ready to take on, uh, you know, that lead role. And then you, no, you're exactly right you to an ACL and um you know that hurts that hurts when you have an inexperienced of room at the position and you need the guy that you're gonna expect to step in to be healthy.
0: Right. No you're exactly right. So you know next week they're uh going to going to. or I'm sorry, next week they got the home opener against the Falcons, so we will see. Uh in other news, let's see. What else happened? What what else happened? Talk to me here. The Jets suck. Still. The Jets
1: are horrible. The Jets a are a horrible me. team. The only impressive thing that happened in that game was that Jamison Crowder. Um, oh yeah, the
0: touchdown. I,
1: touchdown. And I know. I I just um, I was watching the game and I was excited about it for, for fantasy purposes because I started Jamison Crowder in my fantasy lineup. Um,
0: he's a great. He's a great fantasy option.
1: He is. He's uh, super consistent. Uh, great floor. Um, in terms of upside, uh, mm-hmm. you're looking at um, Sunday is probably going to be his highest scoring game all season, um, if I had to guess. Right. But, um, he's a consistent uh, producer, but um, uh, Josh Allen actually looked really good.
0: Yeah, the Bill, Bills looked sharp. Uh,
1: he, had, he had the one rep that uh, you know people were. Laughing at with the um, on, it was like they were like on the goal line, and he overthrew the receiver by about six. Yes, feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was bad. There was one bad rep from him, uh, but otherwise
0: that's okay. He though. had a, make make a great day,
1: day. Yeah. Um, and I think he, I, I think he's ready to take the league by storm.
0: Um, I agree. I agree. Um, they look good. Cam look good in New England. Um, Cam look
1: good. Um, we've never seen a New England offense. With a 75-yard rusher at quarterback,
0: that's that was a right. wax um,
1: yeah, your eyes off a little bit. To make absolutely. Sure that's um, what
0: the Pats look good. The Browns still suck. Um, oh. And
1: I have a feeling that <laughs> uh, Marcus Peters wasn't the first one to shit on Odell this week.
0: Oh dear God. <laughs> we are not that kind of podcast. <laughs> we are not getting into that topic. <laughs> All I will say is that rumor is BS, and I'm I am not like a huge it's Odell it's fan. It's
1: completely false, but I love. It's I love
0: completely music. false because it's, because believe me, when I when I saw that, I read into it because you can't not read into something like that. But that podcast. Just for, for everyone who's interested. That was the same podcast where the host, one of the girls, was talking about, um, you know, okay, actually, I mean, I don't even care. Yeah, the, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, yes, we don't know she,
1: yes. Suns. She,
0: she was talking about providing services to about half the Phoenix Suns in the, in the bubble. Yep. So that happened and that podcast blew up. Then it died down and you didn't hear anything about that podcast. So they definitely went out to this to this lady. I don't. Who I don't even. I I I don't even know who she was.
1: And uh, her name's the Cockroach from Men in Black.
0: Okay. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Call her so, that. Yeah. So, so they went out to her, and and they made up this in, incredibly hilarious rumor about Odell Beckham Jr. And look, look what happens. They're they're back up in the news again. So that's definitely what happened here. There's no other way around it. Odell Beckham Jr. does not like to have that done to him. I am a hundred percent confident in that. Yeah, I. You know,
1: we, we like to have our fun here. It's a fun rumor.
0: It's a fun. It's exactly. It's a fun rumor. Couple of other uh, interesting tidbits from Week One. Saquon Barkley was outrushed by Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and George Kittle. He had fifteen carries for a total of six yards, I believe, or
1: eight. Uh, I think he might have had. Twelve. I 12.
0: Don't know. Well, I regardless, he had he had more carries than he did yards, and he was outrushed um, by those three players.
1: Here's the thing: the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were just living rent free in the Giants' backfield. Um,
0: right. There was a And that's the Steelers' run- ML. The Steelers right. have I mean, a, a, an insane pass rush.
1: Right. I mean, the the, the, Pitt, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense obviously amazing. Um, I already mentioned that earlier, but um. Yeah, the Giants' line looked awful. It's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. It hasn't been good since the last time we won the Super Bowl in 2012. And there's just, it hasn't felt like it's gotten any better. I mean, Andrew Thomas showed, you know, um, some some promising, uh, some promising results, mm-hmm. uh, especially against Bud Dupree. Um, so he had a nice game. I was happy with Zietler, but... The Giants have two pieces on their offensive line, and it's been the biggest problem since Eli Manning was still considered like a top 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been an issue for that long. And they did the Eric Flowers experiment and that, didn't other work. Than that um, they let Justin Pugh come and go. They let Weston Richburg come and go, who have been some of their better linemen over the past half decade. And, it's just, it hasn't gotten any better. And as a Giants fan, it's getting really frustrating. Um, and I know they put some, some draft resources into the line this year. Got Andrew Thomas, got um, uh, and, uh, Matt Pert, yep. got Dan Lemieux, who I'm, who I'm pretty excited about still. Um, so I, I understand that the problem is being addressed, but, it's, it's at the point where, again, it's just getting ridiculous. It feels yeah. like it's been going on for so long, and I wanted to see any amount of, of evidence that it's improving. You know, just, just seeing right. some steps in the right direction would have been nice. And, uh, you know, not being able to get our number one offensive weapon going on the ground, which... You know, I think Joe Judge really wants, and Jason Garrett, for that matter, really want to build an offense around. Right. It, they like pounding the rock, and uh, I, I just want to see the offensive line be physical enough to be able to go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I guess really the only, I mean, the only silver lining really for Giants fans is just offensive lines aren't built today. So you know, you start with Thomas, and you just got to work your way up. I mean, so Daniel- another –
1: um, also, also looked much improved. That's that's my bright spot. From, right.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. There's definitely some good takeaways from that game. Other tidbits from week one. Gardner Minshew was 19 of 20. It's a 95% completion percentage. That's the fourth best single game completion percentage in NFL history among quarterbacks with a minimum of 10 attempts. So the question here. Is tank for Trevor still a thing, or do you make do with Minshew?
1: So, I don't believe that tanking exists in the NFL.
0: I agree Um, with you on that.
1: You're building a roster to go out and be competitive today. Otherwise, we wouldn't see Fitzpatrick starting in Miami. We'd have uh, Tungo Vailoa thrown in there against the Patriots. We'd have um, Justin Herbert in L.A., um, You are building teams in the NFL to be competitive. That doesn't matter who you are. No one takes Sundays off because everyone's jobs are on the line. Because, you know, those guys um, on the practice squad and at at the bottom, you know, the reserves, it's, you know, those guys aren't taking days off. You know, your executives, your your coaches that are hired to come in and try to win games – they know their jobs are on the line, even if they're coaching a rebuilding team. Right. You know, people expect to see improvement, and you need to win games. So, you know, the jaguars aren't taking that for granted. Um, neither has really any team ever in the NFL. There's no tanking in the league.
0: Yes, um, I, I completely I agree with you on that completely. And if you think about it from the standpoint of, you know, in the NBA, it's one thing because it's pretty easy to, you know not go for this rebound or force this shot or you know do all that stuff without making it look obvious i don't know how you can play football to like lose on purpose and not make it look incredibly obvious and you and even and even even in these teams that go one in 15 two and 14 you don't see that and you're exactly right it's because coaches jobs are on the line players roles are on the line you know guys are in contract years they're trying to they're trying to bolt their numbers so I totally agree with you on that. And if I'm the Jaguars, you know, obviously, like you said, tanking doesn't exist. I'm not too upset with what I have right now in Gardner Minshew either.
1: Well, if Minshew continues to have a 90% completion in your winning games, there's no reason to to even consider tanking. Not at all. Or drafting Trevor Lawrence, for that matter.
0: Not at all. You're exactly right.
1: The quarterback role filled. And he's doing his job plus and winning games. There's no reason to to lose to try to get a quarterback. It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And you know when you look at that division, it's this. You know that you know wide open. It's wide open because Texans got blown up. Right. The Texans are not. They just just beat the Colts. Right. They're not They they, they they just beat the Colts, and 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 the Titans are. You know. Yes, so, yes, ball they ball. had a great run, but they're beatable too. So it's it's wide open. And then last last but not least, for week one, just to show uh, the so, like I guess we'll call it the the uh, maturing of of Kyler Murray. He had thirteen rushes for ninety one yards. He got tackled once, so he ran out of bounds or slid on twelve of his thirteen rushes. It's exactly what you want to see if you're Cardinals fans. Cardinals big upset week one.
1: Um, yeah, I think the Cardinals are really a team to watch out for this year, especially
0: now with the Andre Hopkins.
1: Well, yeah, um, of course, basically, obviously gave up about a bag of chips for, and, <laughs> you know, we're,
0: <laughs> remember that, remember that two minute period of tweets when David Johnson scored a touchdown and everyone lost their minds.
1: Yeah. yeah. That wasn't that long lived. Yeah. Um,
0: Cause Hopkins went out and caught 14 passes or whatever the hell it was. Um,
1: Almost, almost had the touchdown at the end of the game. Um, he, he came down just short of yeah. the goal line. Uh, and what what popped out to me is Kyler Murray not only throwing confidently, but I think running, running more confidently. Absolutely in the game uh, and knowing when to get down, as you mentioned, knowing when to slide, but also showing off. I think more burst. Um, he just looked faster, uh, even than he did last year. Super confident, um, Kyler Murray, um, with that uh, with the with the go ball down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to see some some Murray to Hopkins uh, go routes this year. They're going to be super fun.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, so last thing here, that kind of that kind of wraps up the week one recap. Um, week two picks. So we're going to start doing week two picks. And we're gonna start keeping track. So it's me against you, my wonderful co-host, to see who to see who can do better here. We're gonna we're gonna pick straight up, no spreads, just who's gonna win. Um, so let's get into it. So tomorrow night, prime time, Joe Burrow, under the bright lights in Cleveland. Bengals, Browns, who we like?
1: Um, I'm gonna have to take the Browns in this one. I don't think the Bengals have the defensive firepower to overcome this one. Um, Browns have an improved line this year with Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin being signed. Bengals down one very important, Geno Atkins. I'm going to say the Browns run wild on them with Chubb and Hunt and uh, come out on top.
0: I agree. Um, I'm very excited to see Joe Burrow in in a primetime game, especially in week two. I think it's going to be a good test for him. Uh, but like you said, I, I think the Browns are are, are ready to to especially ready to move on after Week One, and I think there's going to be a little more fire under there for them. So We're also i not
1: the Ravens this time.
0: Right, exactly. So um, I, I definitely see them walking away with the W. Game number two, uh, the those JETS 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 welcome the San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah, I don't
1: think this is a hard one. We're going to go with the 49ers. Um, Jets down Le'Veon Bell, yep. and their number one receiver, Jameson Crowder. Um, good for my fantasy team, not good for Adam Gase. Not good for
0: Adam Gase. Not, nothing's going well <laughs> we for Adam Gase right gonna now.
1: He's going to be uh, signing up for Indeed this, uh, this spring. <laughs> He's going to need a job. Yeah, um, I, I agree. 49ers by 20. Yeah,
0: right. 49ers to win, 49ers to cover, everything. Game number three, Dallas Cowboys, home opener against the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons played well. Matt Ryan, 450 passing yards, but the Seahawks just played a lot better. Who do we like here?
1: See, this game is uh, just a story of two teams with explosive offenses, um, questionable defenses, and a penchant to choke.
0: Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. That's a good point. uh,
1: it's just it's just who's gonna who's gonna have the ball last well they'll probably lose um, <laughs> i think that's the type of game we're in here probably probably going to be a shootout whatever the over is in this one probably not high enough um i'm gonna give i'm gonna give the cowboys the edge here um and so i'll pick the cowboys i just think i'm gonna give them the edge in the running game with. Ezekiel Elliott in that line, um, I'm gonna take him over uh, Todd Gurley and and the uh, Falcons unit up front. So I'm gonna say that's the difference in the game. Cowboys can control the clock and uh, they're gonna take this one.
0: Just because you brought up over/under and stuff, Cowboys are giving four and a half, and the over/under is 52 and a half. So I would def I would hammer that over.
1: 52 and one. a half is not.
0: Not, not not enough. That's not enough. More I, more points are going to be scored in this game. I obviously being a homer,
1: i done both sides on thirty wouldn't even get a second glance.
0: I I agree. Um, I definitely I definitely envision a shootout here, and um, I have to you know obviously being a homer, I have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a little bit. I like, like same thing. Like I said, with Cleveland, gonna be a little more fuel in their fire there. And I think, I think Mike McCarthy's slowly unveiling his, his bag of tricks. I, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more of Mike McCarthy this week. If not, I'm going to be really pissed next Wednesday, but we're going to see a little bit more of Mike McCarthy. And I think Dallas is going to come out on top. So, so far we agree on everything. Let's see if that changes here. We got Denver going to Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, we have Denver going to Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, I like the Denver Broncos, um, but mm. I think they're a young team who's going to hit a stone wall, um, just like the Giants did. Um, that Pittsburgh defense will confuse Drew Locke um, and those young receivers. Uh, they're really going to get to him. That line is much improved, um, but still not enough in my opinion. I'm going to say Steelers, and Steelers by probably 10, 12 points.
0: I'm also going to take the Steelers here, um, but I don't think it's going to I, I envision a close game here. I, you know, Like you said, as much as the Steelers' defense is going to keep Drew Locke confused and keep him off balance, I, I, I still think there's more in that Pittsburgh offense's tank, and we didn't see it all. I, I still think there's some rust there, and I and I think we're going to see still a little bit more of that, especially with Big Ben, you know, only in his second week back. I still think he's he, he's he's going to continue to progress, but he's not all the way back there yet. So I think it's going to be a closer game, but I do like Pittsburgh to come out on top.
1: I mean, I just saw some encouraging signs last oh, week. Oh, absolutely! No, absolutely.
0: There were t- uh, you know
1: uh, the the two touchdowns for Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he might be ready to get hot. Yes, Deont- uh, Deontay Johnson was really in a rhythm with Ben at the end of the game.
0: And even uh, a guy think, like Benny Snell who came out right, of the Benny
1: Snell was was getting hot. Um, James Conner, I think he has the sprained ankle. Yeah,
0: so I don't I think. think, he, he, think he,
1: yeah, uh, he's most
0: likely out. So yeah,
1: Tomlin likes his bell cows, though Snell looks. Way way skinnier and in better shape, faster than last year. Um, I think he's ready for a bell cow role. Um, and spelling James Connor, uh, I think he's a premium pickup this week in fantasy, or if you play um, daily fantasy,
0: I think yeah. that's a
1: great pickup.
0: I think that's a yeah, that'd be a it's a cheap pickup too, which would be especially in daily fantasy terms, which is a great great pick. Um, Moving on now, going back to the AFC East, we have the Bills traveling to the Dolphins.
1: Um, the Dolphins kind of never fail to shock you on a weekly basis. Um, I'm still not going to take them over the Bills. Um, Josh, I know that I know Josh Allen might struggle with that secondary. Um, Dolphins have a really good defensive unit, but I think saw Cam run on them. Um, all over the place last week, Josh Allen can easily do the same. Um, you know, the, the comparisons of Josh Allen as a young quarterback to Cam as a young quarterback, um, kind of uncanny, really. Um, I Josh Allen might not be as good at audibling at the line or in-game adjustments, but physically, um, I, I think they're really similar, um, and, since you know Allen's younger, might have some more spring in the legs, I think. Um, going to run wild. I, I'm, I'm on the lookout for 100 rushing yards from Josh Allen this week. Because um, Cam, I think, went for 75.
0: And yep.
1: I think Josh Allen will surpass that. But I'm easily taking the, the Bills and a uh, little throw-and-pick there, Josh Allen, for 100
0: Okay. Out. I'm going with the Dolphins. This is a game that the bills should win but this is a game that the dolphins will win that this is this is a typical game that the dolphins win and the bills lose and the reason it's is i be-
1: pick the dolphins over the bills it's this week
0: right and and the reason is it's because the bills should beat the dolphins so this is exactly why the dolphins will beat the bills because that's what the miami dolphins do and the x factor is like you said it's controlling Josh Allen in the ru- in the running game. They can control him, keep him in the pocket, make him throw the football. I think he's going to struggle with that with that very talented secondary like you said. So, I'm going with the Dolphins, taking I, I I mean I guess that's an upset pick. I'm, so I'm I'm taking the Dolphins. Giants going to Chicago to see the Bears.
1: I I don't have a lot of confidence in the Giants right now especially against a team built like the Bears very similar to the Steelers strong in the front seven we are going to put pressure are going to shoot gaps um not seeing the matchup this week for the Giants um I think Allen Robinson torches that secondary because the Giants just have ultimate troubles um, covering number one receivers, uh, they got torched by Mike Evans last year. Um, two touchdowns for Juju last week, and I'm going to see I, I'm going to see Allen Robinson in the end zone at least once, and uh, he's going to have 120.
0: So you're going with the Bears? I'm going with the Bears. I agree. I'm going to take Chicago there as well. Next game, we're going to go Jags at Titans.
1: Um, the Jags had a nice game, but I don't see them being tough enough inside to take Derrick Henry out of this game. I think the Titans chew clock, and I think they win.
0: Sorry. Um, you went with Tennessee? Going with Tennessee. You're going with Tennessee. I am going. With the Jaguars, because I'm going. I am. I am all for Gardner Minshew right now. Oh, I I
1: love Gardner Minshew.
0: More I'm all. Than the next, I'm I all promise. in. I'm all in on Gardner Minshew. I'm. a logic thing here. No, I don't listen. When you're picking the NFL, don't go with logic. I'm. I'm going with the Jags. They're gonna go on the road. They're gonna take down. I. 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 I think Tannehill's gonna struggle. Jaguars taking them down. Next game, we got the Lions going to Green Bay. This this is a pretty easy one, in uh, my opinion.
1: This is a tough one for me. Really? Um, yeah, I, I like even I like after it.
0: even after that performance that the that the Packers put up against the Vikings in Week One.
1: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he's. He's streaky on a year-to-year basis. I'm, you know what, the Packers are hot right now. Not going to go against them right now. I'm going to take them. But it, that was a tough decision, and I think the Lions are better than people are giving them credit for. I know it was a tough one against the Bears. They had the DeAndre Swift drop, but you got to remember they didn't have Kenny Galladay that game. Jeff Okuda didn't wasn't playing yet. Um, some injuries in the secondary. I think that this Lions team that's going to play Green Bay this week is going to be an entirely different team um, than we saw last week against Chicago. And I'm going to say the Lions lose by like four points. It's going to
0: be a going for game. a close one. All right, I envision this, and I, I I envision Rodgers staying hot and and finding you know using his weapons, finding guys like Alan Lazard, finding Devontae Adams, finding. Valdez Scantlin. I I th- I think Aaron Jones has a, a solid game. I, I I see Green Bay running away with this, but I also you know like I said I, I'm a big especially after week one I'm a big fuel to the fire kind of guy, and I definitely can see that as well with Detroit especially with Matt Patricia because it's about time he gets off the schneid here. Um, so it has not been pretty so far in the Matt Patricia era for the Detroit Lions. So we're both going with Green Bay, but you have it in a close one. I'm going with a blowout here. Um, Carolina going to the Bucks. Do we see Tampa's first win, or does Teddy Bridgewater go on the road and snag a W?
1: Um, so I'm going to take Tom Brady and the Bucks for his home opener in Tampa. Um I think there was definitely some roadblocks last week for him against uh, an experienced, a contending Saints team. Uh, but this is a much younger team in uh, Tampa Bay, especially on well on the defensive end. Um, they're a younger team. And I think uh, he's going to take advantage of them a little bit. Um, definitely. A better game from Brady. I think they're going to win by a ten point margin. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Panthers, Panthers. I'm not giving them. um, I'm not giving them within ten.
0: Okay. Panthers did look good in in their first game. Bridgewater had a a ninety, about a ninety nine passer rating. You know, McCaffrey did his thing. Twenty two carries, added three receptions. Robbie Anderson. Was the big name though? Six catches, 115 yards. Uh, so the Panthers look good. You know they put up 30. I mean, lost a tough one there to to the Las Vegas Raiders, um, who we'll see on Monday night this week. But
1: wanted um, to say that.
0: Um. So you know, Carolina looked good, but I agree. You know, home game for Tom. Um, I think he like he, like you he said, he's got a, another week to, to just mess with his guys. Um, and I, I think they I think they 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 notch win number one here against the Panthers. Los Angeles Rams, those bastards, going into Philly, who came out of the gates soaring in week one, and then proceeded to take a dump for the rest of the game against the Washington football team. So Rams are coming to town.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams here. Um, Philly's had some problems in the secondary dating back to last season. Um, they really didn't address that well enough, in my opinion, on the offseason. And the Rams are one of the deepest teams on the perimeter with two legit tight ends, uh, you know, four receivers who I'm, I trust on the snap-to-snap basis deep. Uh, you've got, obviously, Woods, Cup, and then Josh Reynolds and – uh, Van Jefferson um, can't sleep on them either. I don't think the Eagles are deep enough out there, and I think the Rams score a
0: lot of points. This was a tough one for me. Oh, I mean, because you know, with it being in Philly, I think that that gives a slight edge to the Eagles. But like you said, I, the Rams are really deep and they're really well coached. Um, and I think, and I, I definitely think, like you said, guys like Josh Reynolds are going to have. A, a good time against that secondary, um, and I was really and one of the things that impressed me about the Rams was the run game. I mean, Malcolm Brown looked really good. Um, Cam Akers looked pretty good, you know, in in with with um, with with his touches. Um, so I like the Rams as well. I but I do think it's going to be a close game. this could be a last possession type thing, in my opinion. Um, but. I, but what you said, uh, depth is definitely the key here. Uh, we got about a couple, a couple left here. So we got Minnesota going to Indy.
1: Um, I'm going to take Indy in this one. I think they are going to come home after the loss against Jacksonville, figure it out. Jonathan Taylor is going to have his his week to prepare as the 1A alpha option. Philip Rivers is going to have a week to get it together. Paris Campbell is getting it together after essentially red shirting last year. Looks great out of the slot. T.Y. Hilton might be able to get going today, or, or excuse me, this week on Sunday. Um, I'm going to take the Colts here.
0: I'm going to go against you. I'm going to go with the Vikings. Um, you know, is a re- you know the Vikings had a the Vikings had a good week on offense. They put up 34 points. The defense got shredded. But that was against Aaron Rodgers and a fairly experienced Packer offense. Now they're going up against Phillip Rivers, who, like you said, he's trying to mesh with guys like T.Y. Hilton. You got a first-year running back that's, you know, in his first week of really being the running back one. And I, I, and I, and I, and I just see this Vikings defense kind of, you know, getting set, like in almost, you know, like you said, going back to the drawing board, really getting a week to prepare themselves, the game plan for the Colts. I think the Vikings go into Indy and take it, take it on the W, get to 1-1. One one. Washington football team is going to the Cardinals. What do we got?
1: Washington football team, um, I'm shocked they won a game. Uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'm going to say blowout fashion once again. Um, I'm going to be bold here and say the Cardinals put up uh, – I don't know if it's going to be a shootout um, because that Washington line is killer. Uh, Eight sacks against the Eagles last week in a surprise win. Um, I'm still going to take the Cardinals, but I I think um, now, you know, I was, I was going to write them off, but I'm going to give the Washington football team a chance for a close game here. Um, I'm going to say they keep it to single digits deficit um Ron Rivera's tough as nails. I don't think he's gonna fold against a hot um, Cardinals team, but I'm still gonna take them.
0: I agree. Um, I definitely see a close game. Eight sacks for Washington. Kyler Murray's a lot harder to take down than Carson Wentz. So I like the Cardinals as well.
1: Well Carson Wentz, don't you know, don't count him out. He's very, very difficult. They're different quarterbacks for sure.
0: No, oh, of course.
1: I mean, Kyler Murray is is zooming all over the field, and you can barely see him. And Carson Wentz has more of that Big Ben esque um, yeah, of course yeah to him where he's just big and he'll shake the tacklers off. But anyway,
0: next game, Chiefs going to the Chargers. Can we just take the Chiefs and move on?
1: Everyone take the Chiefs.
0: Take the Chiefs by the. I'm gonna say this is this is a 45 to 10 final.
1: I think. Yeah, um, no Derwin James for the Chargers. You're missing that X-factor on defense. No reason to think that um, even though you have a duo like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, um, I think the Chiefs will take care of them. Too many playmakers, too fast. Just give me give me Kansas City. Yeah,
0: Kansas, Kansas City day. all day long. Uh, Ravens at the Texans.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, the Ravens are winning this one. Yep. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, the the I... Texans looked horrible on the ground, um, uh, you know, uh, defending the run. And the Ravens are just going to pound them into submission. Um, if there's a week to start um, Lamar Jackson, to start J.K. Dobbins, yep. um, I don't know about Mark Ingram. He might get back on track this week. Yep. Or they might decide he's too old and bench him. Um <laughs> Even if you have Gus Edwards in deep leagues, start him. Um, this is the week that they're just going to run wild. Uh, I'm going to say as a team they're going to have at least 250 rushing yards, um, and they're going to win.
0: Okay. Um, I, I think this is going to be a game that Baltimore dominates, but I but te- the Texans like to score garbage time points. So the final score is not going to be indicative of – I
1: think we're going to hit an over for sure. We're, to, we're
0: definitely going to hit. A, we're going to hit a backdoor over with like two minutes left in the game when it's already over. That's John that's what. John
1: Watson leading a two-minute drive. Down. Right, he's
0: going to lead a two-minute drive when everyone's left the building, yeah. and 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 exactly, and hit the over. That's, but I like the Ravens as well. Sunday night, Cam Newton and the Patriots going to Seattle to see Russell Wilson.
1: This is the toughest pick. Of the week, in my opinion. This is a
0: very interesting game.
1: I, I'm not going to bet against uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Definitely the more established team. Um, I'm taking them because it was a short offseason, as we all know. We keep mentioning the, the short OTAs, the virtual activities, the lack of preseason games. Um, the Seahawks are pretty set in their system, everyone kind of knows what they're doing. The Patriots have kinks to work out still with um, you know, Cam Newton and how he's going to fit into the offense against teams that aren't the Dolphins. Um, I'm going to take the, the Seahawks purely on experience, but uh, the Patriots are definitely going to keep this one close. I'm looking for this one to end on a game-winning field goal.
0: I, uh, I agree. I'm going with the Seahawks. going to be a close game. As much as you can't bet against Pete Carroll, you can't bet against Bill Belichick either. So this is going to be a really, really interesting game to watch. Last game of the night, we have the New Orleans Saints going – or I'm sorry, I should say last game of the week, Monday night. New Orleans Saints going to visit the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Um, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I'm going to take them to keep rolling. If there was a week for the Saints to go down and get upset – it would be this one without Michael Thomas, but I think they're going to really, I think the one who's going to benefit most from Michael Thomas's um, injury is actually Latavius Murray. Um is always getting his touches, but I think they're going to want a guy who can consistently churn out cons- um, a good yardage on maybe first and second down. Um, they're going to really switch to, uh, a bigger personnel and let Latavius Murray get behind his pads and uh, use his bigger frame to to carve out some yardage in early downs. Um, so I think this is going to be kind of a close all the way through, grind it out type of game. But, um, oh yeah, I'm taking the Saints.
0: I agree. Uh, the, Saints are, the, the, the Saints are marching in, and I think they're going to take it. But my highlight of week one was John Gruden's haircut. Underneath that hat. Good good lord. I love John Gruden. If there's one person in the NFL I'd love to put a mic on for an entire game and just listen to it, it's John Gruden. Because he probably comes out with some just absolute, incre- absolutely incredible one-liners that I would it's love to hear.
1: John Gruden in a game uh, have to be amazing. The other one I would like to, uh, to try out would be definitely Richard Sherman or Jalen Ramsey.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, that would that that any, would you'd probably hear any some. Of those,
1: you know, the DBs are always talking.
0: Oh, uh, every play, e- yeah. even e- even if even if they get called for pi, they're they're still yapping. Yeah, just absolutely yapping. Don't shut up. So it would yeah. that definitely yeah. be. I I would I would enjoy that real well. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's gonna wrap up our uh, this episode. So we took we took we taking some time off. We're going to really try and get back into an every Wednesday type thing so we can continue to recap, you know, what's going on in the NBA, recap last week's NFL, and then obviously preview the the next NFL week and make the picks and, you know, we'll keep track of that and we'll see who's the better picker by the end of the season. So with that, this on behalf of my good friend and co-host Ethan Looper this is my name is Michael Murray and this has been the sports forum